look, uh, ball playing, ball playing, no watching from the side. Said that you got him next, well, go ahead and show him why. No limits in the sky, go ahead and take your shot. This one what is up, everybody? This. Welcome back to another edition of Up Next, where we tell you what's next or who's up next in uh, youth sports and basketball, particularly, especially with this podcast. And we have a very, very special guest today, a legend in the game. As he just told me, 30, 30 years in the game, which is no joke. Uh, we got Atop Udo Emma. Did I pronounce that correctly? That's Atope. 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 Hey, everybody butchers it. It's all good. See, I, and I knew, I knew better. I knew better. I'm going to say it again. Atope, Udo, Emma joins us. How you doing, man? Doing great, man. Doing awesome. How you doing? I'm hanging in there. I can't complain. Hey, is this New York City or is this upstate? What is this? Is this, is this a city? Is this Wait, Brooklyn? It's, Bro- it's, Bro- it's Brooklyn, oh, on, baby. Yeah, you know, yeah, let's get that straight real quick, oh, man. I got, leg- I got my legacy program in New York, and I'm just trying to figure out if you guys are upstate guys or city guys. You know, well, well, Listen, man. Like, we city guys, baby. Brooklyn to Compton relationship <laughs> right, 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 right. right now, man. <laughs> no. You see my background, man. Yeah, you, baby. yeah he front, he front, and that's not that's not uh, Brooklyn right there. I never, I never seen Brooklyn look like that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, nah, we're, we're we're based out in Brooklyn. Um, we, we got love for upstate too, everywhere else in, in New York, and of course Cali, where you are. A Tope is head of Compton Magic. Um, started that that team in 1995. Am I correct? Yeah, in that, in that time frame, we weren't called Compton Magic back then. We were called Team Reebok because mm-hmm. that's what sponsored us, but it still was basically Compton Magic. It was all my Compton high school kids. So I was a high school coach. Okay, okay. And we just played our high school team together, and that's where it started to form into, you know, us making it into this thing that uh, it's kind of morphed into at this point. <laughs> right, and like I said in the, in the intro, a, a true legend in the game. Um, why don't we start – there. I mean, in, in 95, tell, tell us how you got started and what you were thinking at that time, um, you know, what your goals were or whatever. And then how, like you said, it's morphed into something uh, yeah. tremendous. Um, you know, it was crazy because when we first started, me and my college roommate who played at UC Irvine together, um, he played Dominguez in Compton. Uh, his name is Rob Palmer. He's the, he's the assistant coach at UCLA now. Um, at the time, we, we were roommates in college. And he was born and bred in Compton. I'm actually from Connecticut. Oh, I'm wow. from New York, mm-hmm. um, about 20 minutes away from the Bronx. But uh, when I went to Irvine, me and him were roommates. And, uh, you know, I didn't know anything about California. So whenever we had Thanksgiving or Christmas, I'd be in Compton with him and his family. So um, he was two years ahead of me. When he graduated, he went to teach in Compton. He taught in elementary school and um, I was still in college. And when I graduated, we moved in together. And uh, one of our old coaches had asked us if we wanted the Compton High job. That was in 93. And um, we took it. And at that point, we just started working with kids. We didn't have any good players. I mean, we had some good players, but it was more just whatever we had. It was social work. You know, it was real kids, real gangsters, real dudes. Um, and we started to build it. We recruited a little bit. I tried to get the best kids in the city, the best kids out of the city. At the time, Dominguez was, you know, a national power. They were number one in the country. Tyson Chandler, um, Tayshawn Prince, Tommy Prince, Kenny Bruner, Jason Thomas, just a bunch. I mean, they were just loaded. 
we started to get good. Our first kid was Jeff Trapania. He played in the NBA. Tito Maddox, David Hamilton, um, Ellis Miles is that played at Louisville. So we started to get loaded too. We weren't quite where they were, but we were close. And um, at the time, the city was just loaded with kids. It was just loaded. And so Dominguez was loaded and we were loaded at Compton High. And what Dominguez would do is they would play their, uh, they would play their high school team called the Hood in summer basketball. Mm. So they had Tyson and all those guys playing AAU too, together, to build as a high school. Right. So we, we kind of we emulated that model, did the same thing, and we got pretty good. And then our first sponsorship came along in Reebok, I want to say like in 95 or 96. And um, Jeff Trapanier was our first pro. Tito Max was our second pro. And uh, so we had some pros in the 90s. And then fast forward to 2001, Adidas came in and signed us in 2001 till now. We're 20 years in at Adidas. But um, it all started really just, you know, we were two kids, man, just having fun, doing what we love to do. We both had jobs. Like I wasn't doing basketball full time like everybody else. Um, I had a full time job from 1993 till 2010. Right. I've only been basketball only for, you know, about 10 years now. Mm. But before that, I was suit and tie every day. It's like everybody else. And then at, at nighttime, open the gym, go play with the kids, you know, just have a, had a blast. So we we really just um, we, we started from the mud, man, just I, I just because we love to do it, help kids. And right. um, then when I got with Adidas, it just kind of started to morph and we got some players and we ended up pulling some players from all over. And now it's from all over. And you know, it's just become what it is today, but it started from, you know, really no intentions of it being the, what it is today. Is, uh, where, where does Sonny Vaccaro come in that mix? Was that, was, was he around for the Adidas switch? He was, it's funny, like his transitions were crazy. So when he transitioned from, from Reebok to Adidas, we just went to Reebok. Right. When he transitioned out of Adidas, we had just came into Adidas. Mm. So, like, it's funny. I, I mean, obviously, I know who Sonny is. And, right. you know, Gary Charles, who's a good friend of mine, is really right. tight with Sonny. And, um, obviously, Sonny's one of the guys that paved the way. I mean, he's right. the godfather to all this, to all this pretty much. Right. Um, and But I just never crossed paths with him. As I was going in, right. he was going out. As I was going in, right. he was going out. So, obviously, I knew who he was because at that time, you know, we were nobodies. And he was right. running the game. He was running the game. Right. Like he was on top of the game. He was, you know, doing, I mean, doing it probably as good or better than anyone still ever done it. Right. So right. And we were just trying to figure out who we were at that point. Right. And you play ball too, right? You, you went to, yeah, you played, I played at UC Irvine. I played at right? UC Irvine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. did you always, even back then, did you know you wanted to, to stay a part of the game to, to, you know, well, I'll coach? tell you this, this is, the, this is the funny part. And so, um, this is a crazy story that people don't know. So back in 1989, when I was a, a freshman at UC Irvine, my coach told me, he said, hey, man, I'm going to send you to this camp, and I want you to help us recruit these players at this camp. So I ended up going to work superstar camp in Santa Barbara. And at the time, that's the West Coast. You know, the pumps weren't around yet. Nothing was around right. yet. It was just the only thing they had was you had you know, no ABCD, none of that. It was a, the West Coast version of those camps. He had. You had BC All-Stars, which was back east, the BC All-Stars camp. The five-star camp, yep. and you had the superstar camp that was in California at Santa Barbara. So I went to work the camp, and uh, actually two of my good friends were kind of running the camp, um, Alex and Ike Austin. You know, Ike Austin played for the Utah Jazz. Right. So when I, when I pulled up to Santa Barbara and I saw them, I'm like, what are you guys doing here? And they are like, we run this camp. I'm <laughs> like, oh, cool. So we get there, and, you know, obviously they invited all these top kids, mm-hmm. and all the coaches came in to watch him play. So 
I'm in this environment. I'm like, whoa, I love this. So we had all these counselors that were from all over the, you know, we had guys that played at Stanford, UCLA, they're all counselors. And you know, you know how dudes are in college. They're cool. They want to like who they ain't trying to work. They ain't really trying to work. They just want to, you know, just have fun. But me, when I seen like all that stuff going on, I was like, I'm about to work. So that was my freshman year in college. So I just went and I just, the the owner of the camp, um, Alex introduced me to, and I just went and just did whatever. They want me to go get food, go to the train station, go to the bus station, whatever (laughs) had to be done. I was just waking pick kids up at 5 a.m. Whatever I had to do, I was just doing, I was grinding. Right. Because I just love that environment. So I knew at that point, that's what I wanted to do. And I was what, you know, 18 or 19. Mm. And then that next year when Alex and Ike went to the NBA, um, they hired me as head counselor as a sophomore in college. Wow. So wow. then that's 1990. So then 1990, that's why I say 30 years. 1991, um, they made me vice president of the camp. I was a junior in college. Wow. So I was already running camps as a junior in college. That's <laughs> right. where it started. Right. You were, you were destined for this. I was right. destined. It was, in your, it was in your blood. Absolutely. It was in there. It was in there. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah. So we, we got, uh, we got Gary, we had Gary Charles on a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. We got we got him with this, so we got it. We got to hit you with this. Um, I, and for you, I don't know. I don't even know if you can do this, but but we asked we asked Gary his top five AU guys of all time that he that he had. I don't know if you could do that, but yeah. I'm gonna throw it out there to you. Uh, AU guys, AU teams. Well, I was I was thinking guys, but you yeah, could, your, you, your five your five best players. Oh, five, five best players. Yeah, yes. players. From the Compton oh. Magic. Oh, and my team? Yes. Oh, I can't do that, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't do that, man. Black people get upset. <laughs> hey, there's also, you know, hey, you know what's so crazy? There's also like so many. I've, had, I'm, I've been in three decades. Right. 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 You got to realize like the three decades of, of dudes, you know, different times, social media is now, which kind of gives guys a little more push. Yeah. Mm. yeah. You, then you have back in the day in, ni- in the nineties, we there was really no traditional AAU. You had powerhouse AAU teams. We weren't a powerhouse team. We were a mom and pop. Right. right. So even, even when we mom and pop, like my kids would go play for uh, Pat Barrett. You know, they would play for SCA who was really around back then and strong. Yeah. They would go play for teams like that. And uh, cause there really was, there was only like two or three sponsored teams in the West coast period. Mm. You know, AAU wasn't going like that. So then right. you get to the two thousands and it starts to get going. The shoe companies come in. They start sponsoring more teams, and then you get to now, to where there's leagues and there's a you know there's a plethora of teams that are sponsored. So, um, obviously, like you know now there's so much more resources in AAU. Mm-hmm. Two thousand, the resources increased. There was no resources in AAU back in the nineties. Right. So, like when you talk about the Riverside Churches of the world and those type of teams that were dominant, Atlanta Celtics. Yeah, that because they're the only team. <laughs> like right, they, right. they're the only team getting money. Right. So. Back then, I mean, like, you know, all the power players play for those teams. So it's really hard to compare, especially programs and teams in, in, in different um, demographics of time. Because, like, in, ni- in the 90s, the, the, the layout was so different than 2000s. And then even in, now, in 2010, the layout's different. Yeah, so talk, talk about how that, like, the social media, I know you got, you have the top player, Mikey, who, had, what did he have, 2.5 million viewers? <laughs> Like yeah, that, hey, that, hey, 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 he did a he did a, a video with Drake yesterday. You see that? Wow. I, I saw you that. Not even see that. You're too old. You didn't watch it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, For real. Hey, hey, I peeped that. Is, I peeped it yesterday. Yes. This dude is on an OVO 
video. Right. So I mean, this is this is like game changing stuff in the in in the sports industry. So yeah. How does it, how does you know talk about that? We'll just does, talk about Mikey real quick. So like the one thing is 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 crazy is that like you know I, I think that the coolest thing that he did was that HBCU thing, and right. people yeah. aren't going to give it enough credit to what it really means because when he said it, remember guys, like back in the East Coast and. People know HBCUs because there are a lot of them. Right. We don't have them on the West Coast. Mm. We don't have HBCUs in the West Coast, right? right. They're all South, uh, East, you know, that demographic. And, um, you know, when he said it, it, this wasn't, this was before, like, all the craziness. Like, he said it, like, before it. And then yeah, we right. have all these things happen racially um, in our country um, that exclamate that statement. But my point to you is, like, you know, I don't know if he just got lucky to say that at the right time, but when he said it, you know, I was telling people that the, the, the I did, a, I have a podcast and I, my podcast, I interviewed him about it and I just yeah, told him like you got 8 million hits on, on Twitter. You got 50 million on Instagram, wow. just the HBCU awareness yeah. that he raised when now that this statement goes out and everyone's looking, half the people in the country don't even know what that means. Right. So they're Googling it, right? They're hitting right. Google. They're hitting Google search, whatever. What's HBCU? Right. You know, oh, historical black colleges and universities. Okay. You know, but it's it's like just that awareness factor, you know, and then you guys know, I don't know what if, what plays into it, but then Netflix donates 120 million to HBCUs. I mean, like, I'm just telling right, you, I don't, right. you know, I'm just saying like the awareness part of that, um, to me, I thought was major. And as a 15-year-old, when he said it, because he said it when he was 15, he turned 16 in June. Um, you know, it's just yeah, he's on different stuff. I mean, I just I hope I hope everything can, like he's so popular right now. I hope that because um, the basketball has to be a part of this too. You know, I hope it all can work together for him and make it and just because if he if if it all comes together for him, like he could be the guy who does it different. Yeah, wow. like I I was um, assistant coach with Sebastian Telfair with, with Juice All Star back in the days, and his that's another great another great team at one time. Right, right. And his hype was unbelievable, but there was no, the, the social media was not there. This Twitter and Instagram. Well, listen, hey, so I was around. So I was there at the game when we played LeBron at seven at UCLA and then Sebastian played the game after. So okay. like that was part of our event. So I, I, I really knew like the, the hype of him. Right. Because we spent money to bring him to LA. So I knew, I, I know Sebastian Telper a deal. Absolutely. And he was, he was as big as you could get. Right. Free social media. Right. Free social media. Absolutely. Free social media, he's as big as you can get. Yep. Him, LeBron, like all those type of guys, you know, Carmelo. Um, but but Sebastian Telfair, as far as a guy who was never really a, a marquee NBA guy, is right. as big as the social media gets right. for a dude and a guard and a small guy. And, I mean, like he was just – he was it was crazy, man. I remember – I was around during those times. Right. Heavy, so I, I remember that. Right. Do you, do you worry about the so, that aspect of it? Do you worry about the social Absolutely. media thing? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And the reason is, is because like, you know, back in 2000, like I had a kid named Gabe York back in 2010. Mm-hmm. Arizona, the, right? Yes. He was mm-hmm. the pre-social media, the pre-social media Mikey. Like he was coming in right to when social media was coming in, but he was hot, hot as fish grease. Got MVP of Adidas Nations, um, worked out with Derrick Rose and, and, and Russell Westbrook when they were coming. I mean, just, it was, it was, it was so crazy hot. Um, but it's 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 like the social media. The, the hard part about it is, is that back then, you could only be a guy 
if print media guys made you a guy. Mm. You had to be in print media. Mm-hmm. It couldn't be your grandmother, your auntie, your your uncle, or your or your, or your you know your AAU dude or whatever hyping you. Right. So now the problem is, is that we all have some type of voice in this. Some right. of us have more powerful voices than others, right? Right. But it's like anybody can have a voice, which right. skews talent, which skews evaluation of talent. Absolutely. That's the problem. So back in the day, if it wasn't uh, Van Coleman, Frank Burleson, Clark Francis, all them dudes, Tom Konchowski in New York, you know, Bob Gibbons, whoever those guys are who were strong at the time, if it wasn't one of those guys anointing you, you weren't a guy. Right. And that's the difference. And and it's hard because now you got, it's it's a lot foggier. Mm -hmm. A lot foggier. And remember back then too, all the guys played, on a couple of AU teams, you can see them all. Like these guys, half these guys don't even see half the kids. They're all spread out. All these got 40 AAU teams on Adidas, 40 on Nike, 40 on Under Armour. Yep. And it's all spread out. So no, you can't see everybody. So how do, how do you, you know, see guys or do, or do they just come to you now? Like, is it, how does it work for you? So we're fortunate enough, obviously, I, I, I would have to say we are one of the best AAU brands in the country. So we don't have to, you know, we handpick our kids. We don't charge kids. We only have three teams at each age, one team in each age group, 17, 16, 15. So like we are very, very selective situation. And for me, I tell people all the time, it's like, you know, our biggest uh, victory to me was 2018 when I had the team with Isaiah Mobley on Yekka, Evan Mobley. We'll have two top five picks off that team. Johnny Juzang, Jared Lucas, Jalen Clark, Isaiah Hill. And we were the number one undisputed number one team. And we were pretty much the undisputed national champs that year. Um, because we were able to play the Nike team. But what I will say is, is that people don't understand, like the reason I say that team is special and different is because if you look at traditionally all the AAU teams, most of those teams, those kids did never, never played on those teams the whole time. They play on different teams. So if you look like the number one team of all time, they call SCA, Kevin Love. He started off on the Portland Legends. Hmm. He finished on SCA. Brandon Jennings started on SCA and left and played on Belmont Shore at the end. So, like, it wasn't like those kids just played in that AAU program. Those kids that I'm telling you that on that 2018 team that we had have never wore another uniform. Mm. Never. So they came in in the eighth grade and exited in the 12th grade with never putting on another uniform of another AAU program, not even during when we weren't playing. Mm. So homegrown. Homegrown. So right. to me, it's a different type of – it's different when you tell me, you know, okay, yeah – we had these guys and then we went and pulled Derrick Rose. We pulled OJ Mayo and we put them all together. That's an all-star team and that's a good team. But right. like arguably like I, our team was a team. Right. Like it wasn't like we didn't, like we had a couple kids that were top 20 in the country try to come. We turned them down. Mm. Is that Just routine? Is that, ru- is that routine for you now? I mean, do you have, do all your we guys. Have do mm-hmm. We have to do that because what I think is this, is if I have a kid who commits to me in the eighth grade and even if he hasn't progressed like he should have, I got to be loyal to that kid. Mm. So we've had situations, even this year, last year, where we turned down, I've turned down last year, I turned down a top 10 kid. And the year before that, I turned down a top 10 kid. Reason being is because there ain't enough balls. Right. And we were still the number one team in the country without him. Right. So like even Adidas was asking me like, hey, you sure you don't want to take him? And I'm like, I got a great, I got a great parent group, man. And you know, part of the issue is the parents too. So like my locker room is tight. Like I can't disrupt that locker room. 
Right. And we end up winning the national championship without him. So, I'm, you know, we made the right call because you throw him in there, who knows what happens, right? So, so what do you feel about, like, it seems like you get most of your players, by the time they get the eighth grade, that's pretty much the time where it's time to circuit, be on the circuit. What do you feel about, how do you feel about the, uh, the new phase of kids playing so travel ball from fourth grade, third grade, fifth grade, sixth grade, seventh grade. Like, what is your perception of that? Just the overplaying. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's like, so the best analogy is, is like I can use my daughter. So my daughter is 12 right now. She's 5'11". Mm-hmm. She's probably like last year, she was the best player in California. In volleyball, in volleyball, not basketball, volleyball. Okay. Mm-hmm. So like they had commitment day on Tuesday. And like we played on the number one team in the country last year. And we, but we left that team. Mm. So everyone's calling me like, man, what are you doing? Like, how can you leave that? You know? And I'm like, just for me, I was just kind of like, you know, like I just like with the way things are right now, I just need more comfort and more um, diversity in my volleyball program. Volleyball is very Caucasian. Right. Right. So, um, you know, we made a move that people will probably seem was less favorable. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like, and I, I would like my daughter, she's 12, and I'm trying to figure out how to work her out. She wants to go to the gym every day, all day. I don't want her to overdo it on her shoulder, right? Because she's a big hitter. Right. Um, but it's, it's like you still want them to play. Like, I just remember when I was a kid, we played in the concrete in Chuck Taylor's. Right. You know, I don't know if it's the food now that's making everybody, like, you know, everyone's body a little weaker. But we played, I played outside all day in the concrete. Right. I lived when I lived in New York, you know, I mean, we didn't have no, we didn't get in the gym. We played outside. Right. And like kids right now don't even play outside. That, I mean, right. I would have to think concrete is way harder on your extremities than, so I don't know, man, like I'm torn between, I'm torn with that comment because, you know, obviously I want the kids to be in there as much as possible to develop. And obviously I also want them to be safe. So right. it's kind of like, a, um, and it seems like nowadays, like just bones are more brittle. Mm-hmm. You know, it just seems like, that they don't hold up as well for whatever reason. You know, I don't know if it's the food now, if it's, I don't know. Cause you know, back in the day we didn't have cancer. Now right. we have it. Right. You know, we didn't have those things. We had organic food we were eating. I mean, we ate from farms. Now we're eating processed foods. So, right. you know, right. toxins in the environment, all that. So I don't, I don't have a great answer for that other than, you know, like it's my kid. Like I want her to be in the gym as much as possible. I'm trying to protect her, but I also want her to be great if right. possible. Right. It's a hard, it's a hard, like all you can do is try to do recovery, tell her to ice, she's growing fast. And this with, I'm just using that analogy because it's my kid. Right. <laughs> right, right, right. You know, because that's, you're going to, you're going to do the best you can for your kid. Obviously everyone's doing that. And I, I consider all my players, my kids too, but it's like, you know, think of LeBron, man. Like, like he's never got hurt. Part of the reason he's the greatest player ever is because he's just taking unbelievable care of his body. He never got hurt. Mm-hmm. But you know, I don't. I don't know. Like, I don't think that he doesn't work out a lot. Right. Yeah. yeah. What about this? The the overall. I mean, you mentioned you've been. You know, you've been in this game forever. What do you consider the state of of youth basketball AAU to be now? As you can, you know, you mentioned before. You know, you had super teams. You had less. You had less teams. So the teams were just dominant now. But now people talk about there's a grassroots team on every corner now. So is, do you like yeah. it better now or or then? You know, like, I'm fortunate that we've been able to thrive. Um, like, obviously, we took, I took 
I did my program differently. A lot of guys in this AAU game, and the reason I could do that is I had a job. I wasn't pressed to make money. A lot of these guys are pressed to do things they're not supposed to do. So I think like what happens is I was fortunate enough early in my career in AAU to be able to take baby steps. I never went too fast. I never made decisions that didn't make sense. I never had to like do something to get $10,000 so I could travel. I didn't have to do that. I was fortunate enough to have the resources or use my own to not have to like succumb to stuff that wasn't right. So I baby stepped my program the whole way through till I got to 2008 when we started 2007, when we started to get really good 2008, where we had one of the best teams in the country, 2009, 2010. And we haven't, we've been on a run since 2008, a pretty really strong run since then. Um, probably we could be, we could have been national team of the year out of those at that decade, at least three or four times. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've had a pretty strong run from 2008. Um, but we, but I was prepared in 2008. That's the whole thing. I took 15 years to prepare. Mm-hmm. Like it was, I didn't, I, there were times early on in my career, I could have done some dumb stuff and possibly jeopardize that, but right. I didn't. And even through my development from 2008 to now, I've taken baby steps. Like there, like I had a, a period in 2015 where, you know, Under Armour came in and offered us a monster contract, probably the biggest contract in grassroots. And, um, you know, we didn't take it and we stayed with Adidas. But at that point, 2015 was, was monumental because that was the first time where, like, you know, basketball could really be my job. Right. Where the resources were good enough for that. Before that, you know, it was just figure out, run a tournament to pay your bills. You know, that's what you're doing. You're hustling. Um, but the state of today, man, like, you know, I, it's, it's funny because we, we, we've been fortunate enough to have strong enough social media to try and make that whole, like a lot of the guys right now that are older school, that have good programs, um, have to realize that like 2020 and beyond, and even 2015 and beyond is going to be different. You know, everyone is still talking that, um, I got this player, I got this player. He's top guy. He's top guy. The brands don't like, look, do they want top guys? Yeah, but they're going to bid at them for the end. It doesn't like, like, like right now for minorities and especially black folk, racial equity, like this thing, you guys know about the Abbott thing, but it's, we have a, finally we have a voice. Right. And everything moving forward. If you don't have cultural relevance to what you're doing, moving forward, you're not going to be relevant. Right. I don't care if you have, um, you know, Mikey Williams is different, but like uh, any player that you have is top guy. Will, will it keep you afloat? Yeah, but it's not going to, it's not going to brand you. Right. You're going to have to do other things. You're going to have to bring other value. And I try to preach that to all of our AAU guys. I work for Adidas. So I try to preach that to our guys at Adidas and just tell them, Hey, cause they'll call, Hey, I got so-and-so I got so-and-so I go, that's cool. It's great. But you know, the reality of it is so-and-so ain't selling shoes. Basketball shoes don't sell anymore. Mm. Right. You know, if anybody, if anybody is, is, is signing a James Harden or even a LeBron or a Kyrie Walk, a Kyrie um, Irving or a um, Damian Lillard, um, they're signing them for culture. Mm. They're pushing culture. Like people oh, aren't black. People don't walk around in basketball shoes anymore like they used to. They got vans and they got all these alternative Yeezys and whatever else people are walking around in. And, you know, most athletes, signature basketball shoes aren't a high point of sales. Mm no matter what they're paying those guys. So if you look at it from that perspective, um, you'll understand that when you have your AAU program, which is supposed to be a charity and nonprofit, give it back to kids and the community and all those type of things, your, your AAU program better embed community and it better embed, embed all those things that 
um, the neighborhood embeds because I don't think that you're ever going to get any real resources if you don't just absolutely engulf yourself in culture. If you don't do that, resources ain't coming. Yeah, one thing I one thing I respect about you and your program, we we did some research. You are deeply embedded in the Compton community. You work with the I think the McKinley School. We're doing donations. Oh, yeah. So legacy program, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you much respect to you and what you're doing in the communities. Can you talk about that and what 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 made you you know uh, go about that? Like, what what's your vision for that? So we always, obviously, when we first started, we were just in the community, just doing social work. That's really what it was. It really was a social project in the 90s. Um, We never had any resources until I would say, you know, 2013, 14, that range. We started, our tournaments are booming and we're getting better. And um, the brand was getting behind us a little bit more. Um, But in 2013, when we were national program of the year that year, I I was, I sat back and I said, you know, we're, we're doing basketball at the highest level how are we going to make our company um our nonprofit um real and how are we going to make how can we improve it like we can obviously we're going to continue to do what we do in basketball well, we have basketball running basketball is going and so in my mind i'm like you know what we're going to do is this we're going to take as soon as we're done in july starting in september to all the way to january before when basketball starts all we're going to do is community service we are just going to dive into the hood and just find stuff to do that makes sense for us. And so we started doing that in 2013. And what happened was, you know, I don't know if you guys, I don't know how much work you guys do in the community, but when you get in the community, what happens is, you know, you start doing work. So we went to um, Salvation Army. That was one of the first places we went. And they, I went there actually really just to reserve the gym for one of my guys. So I walk in there and it's actually right in one of my, my it's Jeff Trepanier's old neighborhood, Santana Block. And um, that's one of the reasons I went there because he's one of our first guys and I wanted to go in his neighborhood. So I went to his neighborhood, went to the Salvation Army there and I was talking to the, the, the sports director about the gym. So, you know, I don't know if you guys know Salvation Army, but Salvation Army has a lot of different layers, right? It's church. Yep. They have a lot of school programs. There's a lot of things going on in Salvation Army. So when I went in there, it was a Monday and um, I smelled food and I was like, damn, what are they doing? So he goes, hey, we have a um, thing called the Love Kitchen. And I was like, what is that? Mm-hmm. He goes, well, every Monday we have a warm, every Monday we have a warm cooked meal for the homeless people in this area. And it's every Monday. And then every Wednesday we do a sack lunch. I said, whoa. And in my mind, I was like, wow. Like, in my mind, I'm thinking, wow, that probably costs like hundreds of thousands of dollars. Like, how do you do that? If you're feeding people every Monday of the year and Wednesday. Right. I was like, if I could ask you, what's that cost? And, um, he was like, you know, you'd be surprised. Like people donate stuff and we just, we hustle and like it probably costs about fifteen dollars to $20,000 a year to do the whole program. I was like, what? So I wrote a check that day, jumped in. Like that's, that, that day I was like, whoa. So I went and I experienced it. You know, they, they, the people come in from the street, they, they sanitize them, they feed them, they do a little bit of church. They kind of like talk to them. And, you know, a lot of them are the people who um, obviously have chemical issues, you know, um, right. mental needs to and um they talk to them they feed them and it, it's like you know 50 60 people and so i just fell in love with that program so i jumped all the way in but the next year i was sponsoring the whole program mm-hmm. and making my kids come down and fit and, and do that so mm-hmm. 
and once you do that, you get in there and you start working. And then all these people that are volunteering, they all have these all their own programs. Yeah. So they see the content magic in there. Oh, we seen you. Like, can you come help us? Can you come help us? And so you used to start finding all these authentic. Cause for me, like I didn't want to do any social work, just writing checks. I want to do social work where my hands was on it, where right. our hands was on it, where our kids got to learn from it. So everything that we do in the hood, like we are, are absolutely hands on. So like that was the first time I just jumped. I just jumped in on that, and we just sponsored the whole program for the last three years. We sponsored that, and we did it too. So I made the kids go down there. You'll see some of our stuff on our social media. Our kids are there. Like even our kids that don't live in Compton, they come and work it. Right. Um, but you know, when you start diving into the community, like good community work will find you. You don't even have to find it. Absolutely. You just get in there, and then you'll and then you can gauge to like how you want to be involved, the level of involvement. Like we got involved with um, Shields for Families and we've done some awesome stuff. Diaper drives, book drives. We've done awesome stuff with them because they're just, they stay in the hood. They're in Watts, Compton, LA. And all they do is just anything that goes bad in the hood, they address it. And they just, they're a, bit, they're a company. They, they have funding and all that, but we partner with them on a lot of events. But it's just, it's just when you get in the neighborhood and you start doing stuff, it just finds you. Like stuff that you want to do, good stuff. And just there's so many needs in the community, especially our community in Compton is, you know, there's a lot of needs there. So if you're trying to do community work, it's not hard to find it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, it, it reminds me of when I was coaching at Bishop Lachlan High School, we used to go uh, to this hospital where I took our kids, where they saw ki- uh, kids, uh, people that were paraplegic from gun wounds. And we also donated food. So you know, as a coach, that's that's that goes hand in hand, especially as a black coach. I felt the need and the the it was imperative for me to do that. So, I, again, I give you respect for that. Absolutely. Is that is that also part of what you mean by culture? Because when you when you when you hear the word Absolutely. culture, you think you think like music and and this and videos and all that kind of stuff. But but when you say culture, you mean the real I mean, the real culture. And don't get me wrong. Like, I'm not going to say that, you know, like we did an NBA Youngboy collab. Like, I'm not going to say that we don't. <laughs> sure. you know, I'm, right, right. I'm not going to say that we ain't jumping in that. Yeah, but yeah. what I will tell you, the culture is what, I'm, what I mean is community. That's what I mean. And don't get me wrong. You can sprinkle it in with some music because that doesn't never hurt. Right, 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 right. Hey, J.C. on Taylor played with us. I mean, the game played, you know, like we uh-huh. throw that in too. But, um. Oh, the game played with y'all, huh? Yeah, yeah. So, J- game is Jeff Trapani's best friend. So, like, when he was, this is a long time ago, back when he was. Before he was game, he was JC on back then. Okay, was he nice? <laughs> yeah, he's he's athletic as hell. Mm-hmm. He's mm-hmm. bouncy as hell. He's really uh-huh. bouncy. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's crazy. Like I didn't even know he was a rapper, and um, <laughs> I, I looked in Vibe magazine one day. I, I was in the bathroom looking. I looked at Vibe, and I was, and I saw Rihanna. This was back when Rihanna was first coming out. It was right. like the introduction to new artists. Right, and it was like Rihanna and the game. And I looked. I go. <laughs> <laughs> that JC on, I never heard him say rap. You know, so it's crazy where kids evolve to after they leave you. You never know. Like, obviously, when he left Compton, and he had a, you know, he had some some times, and I think he evolved into what he evolved into from after high school. Because in high school, you know, he was just a high school kid, normal kid, right? You know, I never would have guessed he was a rapper. Right? You know, he didn't rap around us. No, it's, so. inter- it's interesting because you know. In you know AAU coaches or programs, I mean a lot of times you know the, it seems like the the most successful programs are the people that are in it for you know way more than basketball. You know what I'm saying? 
So, I mean, what, what advice, you know, what advice do you give, you know, younger, younger guys trying to come up, trying to create programs, uh, you know, how to create a successful one? I just think that like you have to do it for the right reasons. And I think that there's certain people have different reasons. Like now that I'm kind of at a corporate level and I'm, I have some input, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm looking for guys that are well-rounded. I'm looking for guys that are in it for the right reasons, guys that, um, you know, cause you tend to make the better decisions when you're in it for the right reasons. Right. Yeah. When you're in it for the wrong reasons, usually like if you're in it to get, to get on a guy or to tag to your guy, the NBA, or just to, like there's a lot of guys that I can look at a team and it's funny, like I, these new teams come in and like, I can just look at them and say, I don't care. Like if you've got an NBA player attached to it or not, you're never going to compete with me. You're just not, you know why? Cause you're not in for the right reasons. You're in it cause you want to go to club with your guy. Right. And you just do the job. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? I'm really in this thing. Right. Like when I tell you I'm involved every second of most of my kids lives, whether they're, Evan Mobley or whether they're Jared Lucas, it doesn't matter what level they're at. Like I'm involved at all levels with all my kids, like as much as physically possible to where, you know, my family probably is like, dang, like what's up? You know? <laughs> so if you ain't in it like, like that, you're going to have a right. hard time competing against me. Right. Not going to be competitive. I don't care right. who you're bringing in. I don't care. Like and if people say LA, I'm like, okay. Like if, if you don't have, if you, if you're not, all the way in this thing in the mud, like, cause I'm all the way in. And now that I'm not working a full-time job and this is my job. It's over. <laughs> like you better be serious about this. And you, and you got, you got more team. You got, it's not just Compton magic, right? It's not, you don't, you have teams outside of, of well, California, so, right? So, you know, we have a team in Memphis, which, mm-hmm. um, but we've had that for a long time. And we have a team in Louisville. Cause you know, my kid, the, the kid Ellis miles who played at Louisville for me went and started the magic in Louisville. Um, but those were organic um, feeds. It wasn't like we were going trying to branch out. Okay. Like, you know, we weren't going, we, it wasn't like I was going, hey, let's, we want to do teams in every city in the country. No. Right, right. It was, it was people that were involved in my organization that took it somewhere else. So, I, like, I'm not trying to go and be in everybody's city and do that. I'm not doing none of that. I'm just trying to be the best me that I can be, and I'm comfortable being that. Right. I'm comfortable being that. But for the, for the guys that are coming up and trying to do this, um, just know that it's a new game. I mean, you could have good players and the next year you could lose your deal. Mm, right. Which we, we've seen that happens all the time. It's going <laughs> to happen more. It's going to happen a lot more now because again, if you don't understand the matrix, even Nike, Adidas, Under Armour, like, you know, they're not just going to be signing guys just for one player. I mean, you're going to have to have some depth in your program. You're going to have to have some, just some, you're, you're going to have to have meaning in your program. If you don't have those things, yeah, I've heard that that uh, infrastructure of programs is very important going forward after the scandals that have happened. You know, is is that correct? Is that so? Right you you guys know, like at Adidas, obviously we were the forefront of that. We were the, mm-hmm. the brand that had to go through that, mm-hmm. um, and unfortunate because there's a lot of innocent people that got affected by that. Most, um, and you know where it mostly happened is it happened. Not because what happened, it happened because now that the, the, the light was shined on us, they had to do a complete full audit of everything, right? So they're going through everything that we've ever did in grassroots. So, I mean, like, and and, every, and you do that and things can be perceived certain ways. And it, it might have not been like, if you perceived it, you might perceive it as being something that was negligent, but it might have not been negligent at the time. Right. So, I mean, like when I'm saying it, it becomes a witch hunt at that point, you right. know? 
Right. Um, maybe it was needed. So now that people can hopefully understand that, like, you know, you're not going to be able to get crazy like you used to. You know, and part of the reason that I'm still there, I'm one of the only guys left standing because I baby stepped. I didn't fall for that. <laughs> you know, I didn't get it. Like, whatever those guys had going on, I mean, like, you know, and I'm not saying it was right or wrong. I don't, you know, I just wasn't involved with it. So, um, you know, I, I, I just think that with that, that FBI case and then you got the Michael Avenatti, you know, you got the little Nike thing that was going on or whatever. But um, hopefully it shows guys, you know, that, you know, you can do things the right way and you still can do things the right way and get resources. Like, you know, our deal, we're on a five-year deal right now. And I feel that um, when we re-up, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll be in a really good situation. But you can do things the right way and, and, and make things work. You don't have to always do cut corners. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, how, how will the circuit look like? Is it, do you think that, uh, you know, from what happened, that the circuit will look a whole lot different going forward? Um, well, it's going to be interesting to see for us. I know I think we're going to be very similar to what we were last year. So we, we're not going to change much. I don't think Nike is going to change much. Um, Under Armour is the one we'll see what they do because, you know, their stock's been hurting. So we'll see if they continue to be as um, put as much money in the grassroots as they have. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they do, they'll probably be similar too. But still, like moving forward after this COVID and pandemic, it's like I'm sure that people are looking to cut resources across the board. Of doesn't make sense. You know what I mean? So, so that with that being said, you know, now that you know that all the companies are going to cut resources, that's probably, I would say, fair to say, you better be on your A game mm-hmm. if you want to be in the business. Yep. What about the the overall rep of you know, grassroots, AU, get, you know, obviously gets a bad, bad rap. Um, yeah. People say, you know, that's, that's the problem with yeah. basketball is AU and, yeah. you know, all, you know, basically, you know, turning a blind eye to all, to even the scandal was a college basketball thing. Um, you know, how, how do you, you know, what's, what is your view on, on AU? Is it, it, should we believe the rap that's out there? You know, what's crazy. So this is the funny thing. Cause like I'm the one AU guy in my area that I'm tight with all my high school coaches. Like I, I work directly hand in hand with my best players teams. I'm not the guy who's like sneaking in at a game and talking to the parents in the back. Like I'm the guy who's like, you know, embracing these dudes. I'm run, I run high school events too. So I'm, I'm taking care of my high school coaches too. But um, the one thing that, that, that really drives me nuts, drives me crazy is that, there's only a couple guys in AAU that can really make money. The thousands of guys that are doing AAU are doing it for free. Most of them are doing it for free are spending their own money. There's probably a handful of guys in this country. I'm fortunate to be one of them that can make money doing kids basketball. Most guys are not making money. Everyone thinks that everyone's making money. The thing that drives me nuts is, and and I'll tell you, I'm not going to say the coaches that I said this to, but, I have to have this conversation all the time with college coaches. And what I tell them is this, I said, Hey man, like, I hope that you're not one of these guys because last year when my team won in Vegas, we won the whole, uh, whatever the fantastic 40, we won that little national championship. My van, I was driving the van with the kid that you're going to make a million dollars on. Cause you get paid. I don't, mm-hmm. you get paid. I don't. The van breaks down in, in, in Bardstow. Midnight, I got eight kids in the van. I'm 50 years old and I'm and I do well. Like, I'm not like I'm driving the van, 
with eight kids, four of them going to the Pac-12, which means they have four coaches that are all making millions, right? I got, I'm changing a flat on a, on a, on a 15 passenger van at midnight in Barstow. And I don't get paid. You do. So the thing is, is that really drives me crazy is, is that do you understand how hard I had to work so that you can keep your million dollars? <laughs> right. But I don't get anything from it. Like right. we can talk about TJ Leaf, EK Anikbogu, Lonzo Ball, Kobe Paris, UCLA's number one recruiting class that year, all four Magic kids. That team was a rock star team. Yes. Right? Yep. So what so what does it take to get those kids there? We don't get anything. Like, but you're mad at us? <laughs> right. <laughs> like, like my point to you is I had to, I went to the NCAA one day and I, I, I walked in the office. I was seeing TJ at the Pacers. I went to go watch him play, and I just said, you know, I'm gonna pull up on the NCAA. Pulled up. Went there. And they put, caught me in a room, and I said, and I said, and they said, hey, just tell us about what you think. And I'm like, can I speak candidly? <laughs> you know? And I told them, I said, like, you know, you guys are looking at me some type of way when I don't get paid a dime. So when your guy came to my tournament, which is a legal way, you know, he, he saw I had the balls playing against Conta Magic. The gym was full. You know, we're making – you pay $15 to get in like everybody else. Like, how come – I can't be getting it the right way. Right. That's why I make my living, right? So on tournaments and events. So I'm doing well. But how come I can't be doing well the right way? How come it has to be that I'm doing everything like goofy or doing something funny style? How come I can't be making six figures doing tournaments and doing and doing things the right way, which is what I do, right? But um, what drives me nuts is, is that this whole economy, the NCAA, the coaches, all these guys who all get paid, try to point the finger and blame us, the guys who don't get paid. Mm. How about that? How about, how about like, and again, I said there's only a couple, a handful of guys in the country that can get money doing basketball, youth basketball. I know everyone thinks that everyone's getting money, but it's completely not true. Most guys are spending their own money to deal with their AAU teams. Absolutely. But they want to slander us. Even the high school coaches. It's like, you guys want us to drive the kids, talk to the coaches, spend our money, get the shoes, go to all these meetings, do all this stuff. And then you want to talk smack about us and you won't even take the kids to a tournament. Right. Right. So, like, I don't know, man. Like, you know, they don't want to get me in that room in that argument because it's going to be a bad day because it's, it's you know, like most guys for the most, I mean, don't get me wrong. There's bad apples in every, right. in every walk of life. Right. Right. But I mean, there's also great apples in every walk of life. And the AU's the same. There's good dudes. There's there's bad dudes. There's awesome dudes. But for the most part, you have a bunch of guys who think they're doing the right thing and spending their own money yep. on kids. You can't like I don't know how you can be mad at that. Like, don't get me wrong. There's a couple guys that are going to make it look bad for everybody. But it's not that's not the majority of what's going on in youth sports or youth basketball. Youth basketball is mostly a bunch of guys who either want their child or other people's children to do well and are trying to facilitate that. And By any means, do you think the rep comes from the fact that most of the guys that are facilitating are black, black coaches, young brothers in the street that are, 
that know these brothers from an authentic relationship standpoint? And I, and I think that what <laughs> happens is, is that they, glor- they, they glorify all the things that went wrong. Mm. It's easy to do that, you know, as opposed to like looking at some of the stories like, like even LeBron, like LeBron kept his whole camp around him the whole time. You know what I mean? Like, and that's been a, I mean, that's been a storybook ending to what they started in the hood. Yeah. And and, and they, and they talk about, they used to talk about it at least in a negative way. They tried to. Right. Until he broke all the barriers. Right. Right. And they still try. They still try. (laughs) Uh And the most of the time is, is the guys that are safe are the guys that come from the, you know, the more uh, affluent backgrounds and stuff like that. But they always want to kill the kids that come from the hood and make it. And that's why LeBron's going to transcend all that for everybody because he was the one that went against the grain. Everyone said it couldn't happen, did it right. You know, he's building schools. He's, you know. Yeah, he's an icon. Like, it's crazy, man. Like, like if, I mean, like, at the end of the day, I love Michael Jordan. And don't get it twisted. It's, 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 you know, it's hard for me to say. But, like, LeBron, as far as a sportsman. Right, overall. Yeah. I think that's a great way to put it. A sportsman. Sportsman. Um, I, 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 I'm a Michael Jordan guy when it comes to, Me I wasn't, too. A, on I the wasn't court. a fan of him off the court, but on the court, there's nobody that I felt was better um, than Mike. And I still don't feel like that. I still feel like that, but he has, LeBron has passed Mike probably two times over when it comes to what he's done to the, in the culture and you have to and that has to be added in yeah right that's huge that's right. huge at the last dance is cool that's a hoop flick yeah that's a hoop flick right. it would be it'd be like talking about muhammad ali and just talking about boxing yeah absolutely so absolutely. i mean I'm, I'm for me i'm along those lines man for me i, I want to sit back and see how that i can make my legacy go as far as it can and, and not just touching basketball kids that's why we're doing legacy programs and we're doing programs in schools and stuff like that because now that we're good in basketball, I'm going to use basketball as a tool absolutely, to, to, to further that legacy because that's what I'm good at. Yep. Right? Well, but my mm-hmm. goal is to touch legacy in all different f- forms of life, though, not just basketball, too. Well, speaking of that, uh, you mentioned ABIS. Uh, you got involved with that. I'm really interested to see how, you know, how, you know, a grassroots program can can contribute to, you know, to that and to the to the sport overall and, and, and exert some leverage for, because the, I mean, you talk about, you know, the talent, I mean, you, you are the source of the talent. So how, how is it, how can you uh, create leverage, leverage from where you are? So part of the reason I think they brought me in this group is because I might be one of the more powerful voices to the kids. That's part of the reason Gary brought me in. Um, Cause you have all these powerful people, right? You got, Vivian Stringer, Nikki Fargus at LSU, um, Dave Lado at DePaul, Joe Jones at Yale, um, Leonard Hamilton, Florida State. You have all these iconic, powerful black coaches who are part of this group um, who all have, you know, unique voices and unique journeys and all these different things that can really help us um, promote and advocate for racial equity. Right. So like you look at us as kind of the little guys, right? Cause they're, they, those are the power players, but remember this, um, they're all the, those, those guys are a different generation and their generation. Um, how do I say, uh, 
Like our generation is very social media, very media savvy. Their, their generation isn't. Right. So um, the grassroots portion of this, which is the portion of this that can help them keep their jobs, right? The portion of this that can speak their voice to the world because most of these guys really don't even know how to operate on social media, right? Um, which is the kids and us. Um, the grassroots can be a very, very strong part of what ABIS is doing. Because I think that could be the voice, right? I think you have all these powerful people that can come up with all these great concepts. They have all these people that can help. They can attack the voting thing. They can attack all these different things that, um, like Leonard Hamilton. Like Leonard Hamilton was, a, was around in Jim Crow. He was one of the first black assistant coaches back in like 1967. There was like three. Him, George Raveling, and I forgot the other guy. But, you know, Leonard Hamilton has been around through the whole run of this thing from day one he is an og mm. of college yes, coaching right. in the league too um so you have these guys man that can they got a lot of influence they got a lot of contacts they got a lot of power on influence and they can really do a lot for the advancement of blacks in sports um but then i think you need to bridge that with people like me that can get that that powerful, whatever it is you get to get some of these guys, that powerful voice that you have, and we take your voice and tell the whole younger world about it, which also makes you more popular. Right. Probably helps you get kids and whatever else. But like, I think the best thing that can happen here is, is that for the most part, like a lot of grassroots guys and a lot of college coaches, you know, a lot of stuff goes bad along the way. And this is a great time for all of us to unite regardless of what our differences are um, or what they have been. Mm-hmm. Um, like it's, it's sad, it's sad to say that like George Floyd, the George Floyd incident make this possible. I always say that we were always doing this anyway, because mm. at the condiment, we've been doing the community work before that happened. Um, you know, when all the protesting was going on, I, you know, I was like, that's awesome. But it's like, we, we've been doing that. And I, I feel like, um, you know, it took George Floyd to make us want to be friends. You know, it's great. It's crazy. Like, and like, I'm not going to say that like I'm not friends with some of those coaches that are on our panel. Cause I'm friends with all of them. I know them all cause I'm old school. Um, they may have never got one of our players. Most of them have. Um, but it just like brings a different part of awareness for all of us. And I think it can bring a, it can unite a lot of people of color, um, black and Hispanic alike, um, to get to common goals. And that doesn't mean that, you know, you have to exclude um, everyone else, but it just, puts us in a place finally where we have more of a voice people are going to listen to with the powerful voices we have in abyss abis um we're going to be able to i think get a lot done so you know kudos to gary and felicia yeah. allen for uh, putting together this all-star team of all the black head coaches and male and female um bringing them together to um try to be the voice in racial equity in sports and even with with the mikey williams thing when he when he announced that hbcu uh, you know, when he put that on social media, were you surprised by that, by that? Or is that something you would talk to him about? No, I, you know, it's funny. He's talked about it, but not major. So yeah, I was surprised. Mm-hmm. And I was surprised that it took such a, it ran like it did. You know, it just went nuts, which was awesome. I mean, like, and you know, I already have, I have kids at HBCUs. It's crazy. I got my kid, um, um, my kid, uh, Isaiah Bailey was at Florida, um, Florida A&M. And uh, he had a he had a great career there. He was a senior there last year, 
And um, one of my kids went to Alabama State with Mo Williams, Daryl Jackson, this year. So we have some HBCU kids from Compton Magic that are in HBCUs. Um, one of my other kids also went to Winston-Salem State. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, um, you know, we've been fortunate to be able to send a couple of kids to HBCU. And, you know, it's just, I was just, it's really like the Mikey Williams thing with HBCU was great because all those HBCUs went and offered him, which also closed the gap because they usually don't deal with West Coast kids as much. They don't recruit West Coast kids. And like when that happened, all those schools started recruiting all my kids. <laughs> right. Which goes to the awareness, like you were saying. No, well, how about this? So Daryl Jackson goes to Alabama State mm-hmm. and uh, Zion, Zion um, one of my kids, Zion Sutton, goes to South Carolina State. Boom. Two kids immediately, HBCU, off, our, off nice. this year's team. So nice. it had immediate effects when he made that and, comment. And I'm, not saying, I'm not saying they chose those schools because of that, but, but what I'm saying is, is those schools now, when he makes that comment, the HBCUs start to look into the West Coast a little more, and now our kids have that opportunity. And the fact that Mikey, Mikey uh, put himself out there as one of the top kids in the country it gives permission for others to start thinking like that. Right. Yep. So and, that, and, and, and McCurr maker uh, did the same thing. Right. Yeah. Did the big step. Absolutely. And That's called out step. Mikey and said, come on. <laughs> nah, he made the big, I mean, they, uh, that was, that was big. Cause you know, he was a, he's a high major guy and Absolutely. he went to Howard. I mean, he really, he really did the deal. So, you know, kudos to him too. Absolutely. Um, and that's, that's kind of where, where you guys, where you, you know, you know, grassroots comes in because you, you know, to make a, a big imprint, you need, it's almost like we, we like the Fab Five back in the day. You get a bunch of kids to do it together. That could change everything. Mm-hmm. I'm not, you know, um, not you know, not to force people to go somewhere, but just you know, just thinking about that, you you know, it's a possibility. Yeah, yeah, no, it's exactly just like you said. It just opens up this door, mm-hmm. and when he opened up that door, it it was it was it was crazy, man, because it's like it affected our program immediately. Now Mo Williams was at was at uh, Northridge, so he knew Daryl. He knew DJ. So when he got the job at Alabama State, you know it made sense. But still, the South Carolina State, like he right. didn't know us, right? So he goes and gets Zion Sutton from Westchester off Compton Magic. So now we got two Compton Magic kids off this year's team at HBCUs. Beautiful. So before we let you get out of here, uh, we know you you couldn't give us your top five all time, which we under, we understand. You know, you you had so many guys. But who's up? Who's up next? Who Who are the guys, the young guys you got that you really think are going to do some big things? So you want to know like the draft guys or the high school guys, or both? Both. So we have uh, Onyeka Okongo in this draft. Um, he's born and bred Compton Magic, Chino Hills, played with Alonzo Ball. Um, he will be, in my opinion, between three and nine in this draft, probably between somewhere between three and nine. Um, he's going to be a lot better than people think. He had a great year this year at USC. Didn't shoot any jump shots, but he can shoot it. So he's mm-hmm. right now we've been working on that. We've been working on his NBA three-point shot. We've been working on his ball handling. And I think people are really going to be surprised at what they see with him. And I think that the reason he has so much value in this draft is because he might be the most ready in this draft to contribute right away. He may not have the upside of some of the other guys, but he does. He is going to be probably the most ready to step in right away and play. Um, and I think people will be surprised at what they're going to see with him. So we're just excited for him and his journey. And it couldn't happen to greater people. His mom, Kate, and 
And, you know, he lost his brother in a skateboarding incident a couple years ago. And uh, it's a really good story. But he um, he's like my son. Hmm. So, uh, you know, I'm just spilling the joy for him. So three, so three to and nine. So Scott Perry, and you hear that? <laughs> <laughs> Walt Perrin, Nick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Leon yeah. Rose in him. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't think um, the Knicks aren't from three to nine. They, I know they're in there, but they're not one of his, they're not a team. I think that's um, looking at him as, as much. Mm-hmm. Okay. Makes sense for the Knicks. Yeah. Sometimes. <laughs> um, you sound like a proud father though, man. Oh man. I'm a proud father of all these guys. And then next yeah. year we got, well, we got the Mobley brothers next year, you know, Evan Mobley, who will have a chance to be the number one pick. He'll be between one and five. Um, his brother, who should be a first round pick. And we have a couple other kids, um, Jalen Hill at UCLA and Timmy Allen at Utah, who will all probably be in next year's draft. We could have four next year's draft. Um, and they all obviously have unique talents and they're all like kids' sons to me. And I, I you know, like I just, we're just going to have a, we're going to have a miraculous run right now as far as the draft is concerned. And even our young kids, Kajani Wright and, and um, Dylan Andrews and um, a bunch of younger kids we have in the program right now that have a real legit shot, you know, Kajani's top 10 in 2022, Dylan's top 20 in 2022. Right. Um, That's a run. We're going to have a major run. And there's other guys too, Johnny Juzang, Javen Clark. We have other guys in college basketball that I'm not mentioning because they might not be in next year's draft. They could be. Who knows right. how their year know. goes. But this year being really weird, I don't know. But like those guys will eventually be in the draft too. So our draft run over the next four to five years is going to be insane. We've already, this this year will be we'll have five kids in the last three years and then wow. get drafted. Wow, which is a pretty big number. And then we're going to have a, we're going to have an onslaught more moving forward. So our draft run over the next you know from I would say from 2017 to because that's that's that draft we had three kids in that draft. We had Jordan Bell in that draft, T.J. Leaf and E.K. Anikbogo in that draft. We had three kids in that draft in 2017. Uh, 18 we had Jalen Hands. And then this year we'll have, oh, so that's five in the last three. Um, but it, it could be a miraculous run in the draft. Already has been, sounds like. Right. Yeah, but and it's going it's to for <laughs> sure. Right. Yeah. Well, man, we really appreciate it, man. Thanks, thanks for taking the time out. You'll be a busy schedule. West to, Coast legend, to brother. Us, Thank you, brother. Anytime. Yeah. Anytime. <laughs> Let me know, yeah. guys. Appreciate y'all. Uh, yes, sir. Compton Magic in the house. Thank you, brother. Eto Udo Emma. Molly Thank Ball. you so much. Appreciate Molly it. <laughs> <laughs> great. Appreciate that, man. We'll, we'll, we'll be in touch and good luck All with right. everything. Hey, All right. All right. Yeah. That was, that was, that, you know, he's doing his thing out there, man. He's doing his thing. Yep. Big time out there. Um, hope you enjoyed that episode of, uh, of Up Next. Uh, you know, we keep them coming. Khalid out there, you know, he ain't playing around. You ain't playing around out here with, uh, with getting these guys. Nah, I'm tagging them. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm calling. We're going to get the best of the best on our podcast. Make sure you go to our Instagram page, Up Next. Follow Up Next Instagram page, where we feature some of the top players from all over the country, whether it be basketball, baseball, football, tennis, soccer. Um, if you... If you're good at Skelly. <laughs> Word. They still play Skelly? Yeah, I think they might still play Skelly. <laughs> they still play that? If, if you do double Dutch, we'll, we'll, we'll highlight you. <laughs> right. 
No question. No question. Yeah, definitely. Check us out on social media. It's at on, on Instagram at up next pod and Twitter is at up next underscore pod. So definitely follow us on both those mediums. Um, uh, we're up and running as far as uh, being on all the podcast networks. Um, check us out on Apple Podcasts. Check us out on on Spotify. Check us out on Stitcher or wherever you listen to your podcast. And on Apple Podcasts, uh, you know, write us a review, uh, rate rate the show because that uh, creates even more traffic. And also tell a friend if you like the show. Tell a friend. Uh, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and all that good stuff, and we'll keep we'll keep bringing you the heat. Right. And for all the people that have uh, followed us, um, we support. We appreciate their support. No doubt about it. So until next week, we'll keep an eye out for who's up next. Absolutely. Picking up them pieces, ain't no limits in the sky. Uh, said you got up next, well, gon' show them why. Uh, one, two, that's a three. Now take your shot, ball player. Bishop Lachlan, purple and gold, that's a flex. Uh, Kylie Green, got me a scally for he left. Uh, Joe Cash, something like dollars on the check. Uh, they had in, I got now.